said and Edith were there. And I want you to know it was immediate connection. Never had those experiences. And uh, our hearts meshed and melded that day and that, that uh, few days we were together. And um, he's with a ministry that's called I got some, uh, uh, Breaking Ground. <laughs> that's why I thought that song we just sang in the late. Oh, wow, yeah. And uh, number one on May the 12th, uh, Breaking Ground Ministries. And this week we're in, entering into uh, the next week. I think you've been married, what, 25 years? Is that right? Anyway, there a little, is a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> we have, what, three children? Three children. And uh, Edith teaches English as a second language in school. And um, Ted does lots of traveling with kids, mostly to not, not just Mexico, but a lot to Guatemala. And uh, what he told me, what God's working there, just thrilled my heart. I just... And uh, for one night showing, anyway, uh, I, bought I, I wasn't sure when, where, how we were get reconnected or having a worship service, but he's coming down to help and, uh, uh, course, with an ordination service tonight. I think it's at Parkway, is At another church, okay. And, uh, a Hispanic man's going to be ordained to ministry tonight. It's, just, but, uh, uh, it's a documentary, uh, I'll tell you. It's, it's not a, the pastor of Parkway Christian Fellowship, Brother Randy Williams, and I are friends, and we've known him for a long time, and he wasn't able to have Ted and Edith for service today, and he said, he called me, he said, Tim, would you like to have Ted and Edith? I said, well, yes, <laughs> yes. and, uh, you know, it was, it was this chosen day, and uh, so we are thrilled that they are here, I, I don't know all he's going to say, but I, I prayed for him, I prayed for his I prayed for the service. Well, if it's just get acquainted and tell us about your ministry, whatever God's got. Uh, we're going to love them. We love them. And we're just glad that they're with us today. So put your hands together. Welcome Ted Flynn to the pulpit. Get online, get your tickets, or if you want to wait and get them there. He's an old Arkansas boy. Is that all right? Make you aware of Aren't you from Mexico? This one's not necessarily in spiritual nature, but in a sense it is. The last two years since the election of 2020, I have kept I have kept articles that have been different periodicals that are trustworthy. Uh, literally, uh, like I said, that about first night, what has happened while there was in the election of 2020, the sense of a kindred spirit. And, uh, and uh, in certain states like Wisconsin, Michigan, walked away. I said, there's something special about this and, couple. Uh, these uh, articles and there is something special about your pastors, and I know you know that. Uh, we fell in love with the people in states. Pastor Tim and Pastor Rhoda, we just... One, uh, one thing uh, we have been so anxious to Wisconsin alone that that's not the word that we're supposed to uh, use, but we have so been so many corrupt with so many things mishandled just when these guys people in. voted from the uh, what, uh, what a privilege. And thank you. Thank you for receiving us. And thank you for the opportunity to get to know every one of you. Um, as Pastor Tim just mentioned, um, my name is Ted. I'm going to ask my wife to stand up for just a second. Uh, election officials uh, bought off. We will be married 28 years next Sunday. <laughs> so we'll be celebrating our 28th anniversary next Sunday. 
Hey. Uh, my wife is from Mexico. Officials. Uh, we have three wonderful children. In fact, uh, uh, if we get the PowerPoint up, we'll introduce you real quick, and I'll just share a little bit about our ministry, about the ministry that God has allowed us to be involved in. Um, it is definitely not our ministry, it's God's ministry. He just gives, an oppor- gives us an opportunity to be involved in that. And, uh, um, so we got our we're going to talk about that. You, you talked about that a while ago. And I just, everything today has preached this message. And, uh, so, and so if the Lord allows, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, there we go. So there's our family, uh, our three children. Our oldest son is over here to my right. Uh, to your left, the long hair, that's Alan. 25, he plays guitar, and uh, we have a Spanish-speaking church in Fayetteville, Arkansas that we planted 11 years ago, uh, founding past- we are the founding pastors, um, and uh, we turned that work over, we installed new pastors five and a half years ago, and they're doing a phenomenal job, and that frees us up to continue to be involved full-time in this work. Uh, Alan, our daughter, Elisa, she's just finishing her third year at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. So we're looking forward to that. She's going to be back home next Sunday. She finishes up the finals this week. And God is opening some doors. We really uh, are excited because it appears that she's got some, there's some doors opening for an internship for this summer. And then it's our youngest, uh, Israel. And uh, just a miracle child. Uh, God gave me that name. We, I was in Honduras. Uh, 19 years ago, and uh, almost 20 years ago, 20 years ago this summer, I was in Honduras, and uh, we were expecting, we had not had an ultrasound yet, we didn't know uh, if it was going to be a boy or a girl, but I'm sitting there eating lunch with some other ministers, and all of a sudden I hear the voice, this voice that says, and his name shall be Israel, and I looked around, and I called my wife, I said, uh, how do you like the name Israel, and she says, well, I guess, uh, yeah, I like it, just fine, I said, well, uh, I said, just get ready. We're having a son. And, uh, uh, and we tried. And we kept thinking, well, we need a girl's name just in case. We never could. We never could. So we just, uh, we just and God uh, has blessed us with three wonderful children. They're very much involved in your church. They're still involved, even though we're not there. Um, Alan's on the stage playing the guitar. Israel's back in the back running the cameras and helping with the um, pre-adolescent kids. He's one of the uh, teachers with the younger children. So, Anyway, we have a ministry called, uh, uh, the ministry is called Breaking Ground Ministries, and uh, we travel and minister all throughout Latin America. We lived in, or I lived in Mexico for 11 years, and he obviously lived there a lot longer, but um, uh, I I lived there for 11 years, and I lived for seven years in the state of Zacatecas, it's kind of north central Mexico, where Edith is from, Edith, same thing, Edith in Spanish, and uh, so I lived there and then four years, we moved with our family to San Luis Potosí, which is kind of in central Mexico. Uh, but we spend, or I spend most of my time in Guatemala, of all places. Uh, and God, 30 years ago, literally 30 years ago, 29, almost 30 years ago, God got, uh, allowed me to get connected with a work or a ministry there in Guatemala. And uh, for the last 30 years, we have gone every year, at least three times a year. In the beginning of that, we started going, uh, Edith and I would go from four to six weeks at a time. So the first uh, years, the beginning years, we were staying four to five months out of the year in Guatemala while we were supposedly living in Mexico. And then as our, we started having children and they started going to school, that limited Edith's ability to be able to travel. 
And so she was staying at home, and I was limiting my travels more so that I wouldn't be gone all the time. And uh, so I was making shorter trips and uh, more frequent trips. And so uh, pre-COVID, up until 2018, 2019, right before COVID hit, I was making five and six trips a year to Guatemala. Uh, with the work there, and uh, because it just continues to grow, it has exploded. It's a, it's a word I can say. And this picture right here was December 2019, right before COVID. So two, three months right before COVID hit. This was our youth convention, and uh, we have an annual youth convention. It's always the, the second week of December. And this was my introduction to Guatemala. In 1993, the first time I went, I was invited to speak at our youth convention. It didn't look anything like this. It was in a little church about this about this size. It wasn't even quite this big. And uh, we had all the windows open, the doors open, and uh, we had a thousand young people. It's one of those things that just marks your life. And, and uh, uh, one of the, the youth leaders, he got up and he says, uh, hey, uh, all year long I've been focusing on the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Ghost. And, and he said, I've been teaching in different uh, districts. We have 11 districts and churches. At that time we had six. And he said, I've been teaching in the different districts and, and focusing on the Holy Ghost. And he said, all of, those, all of you that have never received the baptism and the Holy Ghost, raise your hand. Hands started going up everywhere. He said, I want you all to come to the front. And I thought, is he crazy? This building is packed. There is no front. And, uh, but we managed, he managed to get them all in. And, of course, some people had to go step out of the building. And, and uh, so there's 300 young people standing in front of this auditorium, or in front of this little building, auditorium, in front of this little building. And, and, uh, uh, and when he just and he said, okay, he said, we, there's no way we can get in there among you. They literally were just standing like this, shoulder to shoulder, just the back, and just packed in there. And, and he says, we can't get in and lay hands on you. We can't do anything. He said, we're just going to pray. You're not going to pray. In, you're, he said, you're going to start praying in Spanish. But he said, you won't be praying in Spanish very long. He said, because the Holy Ghost is going to fill you. And I mean, that was all, that was all the instructions he gave. And he says, Brother Ted, I want you to pray. And I'm just like, so he hands me the microphone. And I start praying. And I'm praying as hard as I know how to pray. And, uh, and 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 all of a sudden, you know, I, I, it was like an Acts two experience to me because you know, Acts says there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Well, let me tell you, I heard that sound that day because when three hundred kids in the front, and I don't know how many of the rest were praying, but when they lifted up their voices, it was a roar. And they had these huge speakers stacked up six foot high. And I literally take the microphone and I walk over and I stand right in front of the speaker because I can't hear myself. And I'm thinking they probably can't hear me either. And I'm praying as hard as I can in Spanish. And I did that for two or three minutes and all of a sudden I just stopped. Because they, they couldn't hear me. It really wasn't important what I was saying. But I realized I was the only one praying in Spanish still. I'm like, why are you still praying in Spanish? Everybody else was praying in tongues. And, and, and they couldn't fall. There was nowhere to fall. They just, they, some of, most of them managed to get their hands up. Once they got them up, they couldn't get them back down. And so for 45 minutes, they were just stuck like this. And they were just praying and weeping and crying out to God and worshiping the Lord. That was four months before we got married, five months before we got married. And, uh, I mean, just one of those things that marks your life. I thought I was going to go into Guatemala. You know, it's going to be one and done. And I'm, you know, I'm in and I'm out. I'm done. And that was the beginning of a...
incredible relationship and what that means. Almost 30 years later, still in the sermon in Guatemala and just seeing what God is doing. There's so much I could say. Anyway, this was our last convention, the youth conference, right before COVID. Just incredible facilities. They were packed in there. And we had 200 more kids outside because we just couldn't get them all in the building. And uh, I'm telling you, God just doing incredible things. And just showing people that I mean, their passion for God, their passion for God, it just, it, 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 um, it challenges you. It challenges you. It just, um, and so, well, you know, COVID hit, and all of a sudden, uh, now we're, everything's shut down. And Guatemala says, uh, you can't have services, of course, you know, the same thing that happened here. You better get the word in there. It was a little more extreme. They had curfew from 5 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. Or no, excuse me, from 5 at night till 5 in the morning. There we go. I just right. And uh, so those that were essential workers, you know, there was a few of those. Uh, those were pretty, you know, restricted. Um, it's the, the, the essential workers could go to work. They were allowed to leave at 5 in the morning, and they could go back, but they had to be back at home before 5 in the afternoon. And that was Monday through Friday. But Friday, 5 in the afternoon, everything shut down. And you could not come back out of your house until 5 o'clock Monday morning. Tonight. You couldn't go ahead. Hey, Saturday to shop. You couldn't go anywhere um, to church, I'm, especially I'm on Sunday. Today and tonight. so that went on for, for a long time, a lot longer than it did here. I mean, it was well into the fall of 2020 before they started loosening restrictions. And when they finally started loosening restrictions, they said, okay, you can have 10% capacity in your building. About. Okay, the pastor's family shows up. That's it, because most of them have seven and eight, nineteen kids. So you know, that's the only one that can get to go to church. Pastor's family. And uh, finally, they said you can have twenty-five percent capacity in your building, and so well, uh, that's a lot of our buildings are not that big. You know, (laughs) the auditorium's an exception, and. uh, you know, we, 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 we primarily are working in rural areas. The majority of our church is in rural areas. And so they're not really large buildings. They're kind of like this building and, and comparable in size. And, and so, you know, 25% you. And so our pastors started getting the idea. They said, well, why don't we just start building buildings with no walls? So what's 25% of that? You know, that's just a nighttime meeting, one night in a week. You know, when the hard inspiration people showed up, it was, but they had church every single night. I think every night, but Monday night. So uh, I mean, they just church, church, church. But so we just started building some buildings, or I say building some, some roofs. We just started putting up some roofs. This is out in a little village, um, and uh, you know, just again, they uh, there weren't very many people there that day because some of the crops had caught on fire. So all the men in in the town that would normally be there, they were out there trying to put fire out. So, uh, but this is what we started doing uh, during uh, 2020 and 2021, sending funds to help them just put up some, some rooftops. And uh, because of the restrictions and limitations, and um, I just got to talk to our uh, said, president for the uh, churches there. I'm going to now to start bringing a couple of weeks ago when we were talking. He says, Ted, he said, in the last three years, and he said, I'm just, he said, I'm floored. He said, I started counting up all the new works, the new churches that we've started. Um, and, and since I, he, he become the president, it'll be three years ago next month. And he said, um, he said, I didn't have any idea. He said, but we've started 30 new works in the last three years. And, uh, but that's still in the middle of COVID. 
have it with you. Now, they're not large yeah, works. They're, down they're small works, like Ted last week. And uh, unfortunately, and there may be a few of those that he just don't quite make it. We, we pray that all of three them are three sub points, three sub points. That is, you know, they just start out and then it just but, uh, you know, gain, you can write it down, traction that down, steal not just the points, but you can write down in the middle of COVID. God's still having God's still having to back and look at it. And uh, so and, that's what uh, we're, that's part of what uh, we're doing. Now, this is Honduras last year. At the beginning of last year, right at the end of 2020, there was two hurricanes that hit Honduras back to back. And uh, we yeah, worked with the Lord's Church, the 28 churches there in Honduras. And before the pastor calls, he said, we and he started sending me photos and videos, and it was just the devastation was definitely real. One of our pastors in in Honduras uh, is a lady pastor. She hurt her church. It's a two-story building, and they were standing. He sent me the video. They're standing on top of the second floor of this concrete building, and it has a flat roof, and the water was literally just lapping right at the edge of the roof. I mean, they're taking a video of this. All the housetops, you could barely see the tops of the houses. They were completely underwater. And it was the pastor and 30 people standing on top of the church. They had been there for three days because nobody could get to them. Uh, the Army had tried several times, and because of all the wires and telephone poles that are underwater at that point, electrical wires, they just couldn't get to them. And it took them uh, three days before they could get them off that rooftop. And, of course, everything in the church is lost and all the homes and and so, so what one of our main pastor calls us and says, hey, what is um, the we're trying to help and is we're trying to send you funds to, to purchase water, food, is mattresses, just home mattresses, and uh, just trying to help anywhere we can. Then he calls a few days later and he says, I've got an idea. I said, okay, what is that? And he says, we want to, he says, I went and then started looking and he said, I've figured out that I can buy a little plastic table and uh, two plastic chairs. I can buy a little stove, a cook stove two-burner gas cook stove. I can buy a little set of plates, cups, some silverware. I can buy a couple of uh, frying pans and a pot with a lid and some cooking spoons. And he said, I can get all of this for less than $100. And he said, uh, uh, said these people have lost everything. And he said, if we could just help them get this little kitchen set, then uh, they can at least start preparing food. And, and a lot of the people were just living on the street. And, and they were setting up back one of the major highways there. And it has a median, a wide median that's about 20 foot wide. And all the people were just setting up in the median. Cars going by, you know, 60 miles an hour both directions. And they're, they're building a little plastic house, you know, just getting cars for plastic. What they never had for shade and protection. They're sitting up right there in this median while the, their neighborhood is slowly, um, the water is draining out. And so... What do people say about the book? He said, we, one of our churches, we have 42 um, families, in one church that lost everything. Alabama Bible Society. And he said, we'd like to help those 40 Americans. Think you can help. And I said, yes. And talked to two other missionary friends. And so the three of us, you know, walked together in the Bible. And about what we knew it, about what we had to think about the Bible. Kitchen kits. You know, that's $4,200. That was pretty quick. And then somebody said, well, why don't we break that at 100 Okay, let's do that. That's $10,000. And, and when we started because sharing the need, it just kept multiplying. Those who were the end result is we were able to give out each of the little kitchen kits. So you know, what, what do they say in Birmingham, Alabama? What do the boys carrying the table in a pot? You want to go 35%? And we were able to give out 685 kitchens for the glory of God. 
That's amazing. We never had that kind of fun before like that. that it's just, just overwhelming. And uh, we're just praising God for that. For 51%. And, uh, and so it's a church that's not inspired in the neighborhoods that were, but where this, it tells how different churches, and it wasn't just our churches, and it wasn't just our churches. In fact, we're over this church over here on the your uh, right uh, Burning is, is, is the Church of God Church in Honduras. Right. In, uh, in uh, and it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't it's not one of our churches, but it's one of the churches in the neighborhood. So I just said, hey, the inspired you, word you know God. families that need help, but and we'll help you. And uh, so, our so we're up to work with other pastors, and the community saw these pastors and churches working together. And, and people yeah. began to come to the Lord. They said, the government's not helping. Nobody's helping, uh, but the church is for helping. And, and we like what we're seeing because we're seeing churches come together. And, and it's not about who gets the credit, you know. It's just about helping others. And, of course, God gets the glory. And so this is um, you know, just exciting to see how God redeemed the situation. Now, now we're back in Guatemala. It's one of our churches uh, uh, in the northern the part of Guatemala. Is this is our Bible, one of our Bible schools. Uh, we have three Bible schools. Book of stories. One in Petén, Guatemala, in the north. One in Jalapa, uh, Guatemala, the, about the, the south. And then we have one that's up in the mountains with the uh, indigenous people, uh, the Quechi people. So, and uh, this was in February. This Luke. February, Luke's we had 85 students in our Bible school. This in, in this this Bible school in Petén, and uh, this is the graduation night. In February, all of our students. And um, chapter one. So this is the last day of February. It says, and uh, here they are in the altar, just praising and worshiping the Lord. And uh, we had our graduates um, this year. We have six years of Bible school. You say six years? Well, it's not a full year. It's they're really short years. They're not even six months. They're just uh, they're just. They're very well, compact. Most of our people, time, you know, they, they're working, they have families, and so they can't be in a Bible school for so fine, four months, six months. Okay. And so we do super concentrated, heavy-duty, sun-up to sun-down Bible school for a month. And they can, they can manage a month. And uh, most of them don't even go home for two weeks. They'll be at the school for two weeks, they'll go home for one weekend. And they'll come back way, one week and finish out the Bible school just because they're trying to save their resources, their funds. And, and so it's very concentrated, it's very intensive, and uh, it's very jam-packed. But what happens is usually after the first or second year, a lot of them begin to pasture. And, uh, well, that really keeps them coming back. Because <laughs> they realize in, in about six months they've run out of material and they need the Bible school. And they're coming back saying, how do you teach me more? And uh, so they, they come back for the six um, years, most of them. And, and uh, so here's again, more pictures of those graduates. Are the things this is the Bible school in Koban, up in the mountains with the kids. In chapter one, indigenous people. Um, I realize uh, when I go there, I have to speak in Spanish, and then I have a translator that translates from Spanish to the kids. Because a lot of people do not understand Spanish. And so they teach in the kids' language there. This Bible school just took place this month. They're finishing up. Here we go. Uh, this next week, and I haven't got the final pictures yet, but they're finishing up this week. Good chapter uh, one, Ketchy Bible School, and uh, so this is some of the things that's happening in Guatemala. Um, anyway, look, there's so much more I could tell you, uh, but let me just say that uh, when I went to Guatemala, oh, was that was uh, almost 30 years ago. Oh, it slows the city that, down. Uh, there was 125 churches. Well, in case you don't know Today, it, in Guatemala, we have over 370 churches for the glory of God. 
We have 28 churches in Honduras, another 28 churches in Belize, three churches in El Salvador, a couple churches in Mexico, and 40 churches in Nicaragua. Uh, that have been born out of this ministry. Okay, here's and, what it uh, says. Just, uh, and to God be the glory. Uh, in as much glory. as uh, it's not anything I can do, because I sure didn't do it. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm the least likely candidate. But God is moving. And just as they were handed down to us about the by those who were heart for Jesus were and I heart for the lost. And, uh, and so churches planting churches. That's how we're doing it. Churches planting churches. for me as well. And, uh, you know, the pastors are raising up young ministers, you know, and they're sending them out to a new area and say, hey, why did out? we'll help you get started in and, uh, you know, and they're discipling them and, and helping them plant churches. Uh, next month, so we'll really in, in the end of May 2021, uh, I will be in Guatemala the first time since COVID. Uh, I've tried several times last year to get there. Every uh, time I would have planned a trip, something would happen uh, in November. I was supposed to go, and they called me and said, we're having to shut everything uh, down. We've had a resurgence of COVID. They were They're not letting us meet again. You can't come. And, and then uh, I was supposed to go at the end of January, down. and I got COVID, and uh, and I couldn't go. And, and uh, uh, of course, we got over it, but it was still a little late. And we got to see meet your pastors instead. I got to go to Gulf Shores, Alabama. And... Uh, but Lord willing, in May we will be headed to this Guatemala. Was, this was no dumb man. Uh, this was a smart after two little over two years, years in my and, uh, and my heart is so ready. You know, I have not seen uh, my family. Come my family. family. They got some and such things. This man and, uh, under God's roof, it's going to be one of our major conventions. In the investment we do every three years. Uh, because we just, you know, when we get to Christians, so many pastors together, and they bring their families. From the beginning. And they bring people from their church. Everything you know, about Jesus Christ and just that many people. And, uh, and so we wanted to write it every, once every three years. write it out. And so this is the third year, and we're going to you know, uh, have a big celebration. Amen. Amen. Then, Lord willing, in the month of June, we will be going to Mexico. Back Sunday night. Chihuahua, Mexico. And just sitting down. And the open doors for um, Christian education. We're meeting with a pastor that's doing Christian education. And just say, write down every learning how they're doing it to maybe help churches start Christian schools in southern Mexico and in Guatemala. Then at the end of June, Lord willing, we'll be headed to the Dominican Republic. And a new group of churches, one of the small group of churches, pastor in Kentucky, that's been after me since before COVID. Uh, he, he, came the, he came in the uh, Dominican Republic you know about and uh, helped him uh, with this work. He's and he walked and said, I need your help. For the next and uh, we're going in, Lord willing, in the June. We will invite it. You know, plan everything with us uh, on that trip. And, of course, Mexico. And then in July, having investigated uh, we have a everything trip, carefully trip from the beginning. We have a trip scheduled to Honduras. He wanted to write it out for you. And then at the end of July, another matter of fact, I'm going to do it at the border. And uh, yeah. then in and then May, uh, August, we're talking about so that, Guatemala. So that, y'all say so that. That has not been confirmed. What? But September, we have another trip to southern You may uh, know the exact truth. And so the, the summer is starting to get really busy for us. And so you what think this generation needs this? Because I'm asking for your prayers. We need this. Please, please, please um, help us. If there's any, you say, well, what can I do? Of course, we're living in a generation that needs more than anything. Except just think of Ted Mead. If there's even a prayer. Well, well, Lord, take it doesn't take much to provide, cover them, to get their eyes open, to realize we that they're all there. We need the protection there was no of truth. God. We need the anointing of God. <laughs> and, and, you know, we need the favor of God. 
going into the place of Lake's name. So we just ask for your prayers. Jot these three things down. Like I said, there's so much I could say, but I'm going to share this word that we'll look at in just a couple of minutes. I just want to invite you to open your Bible, if you will. By the way, Mark chapter 6. Has anybody ever read Mark 6? This is my Bible I carry with me all the time, and and I got I was sitting here last night at the hotel, and I'm looking at my Bible, and I wasn't thinking anything about it, and then all of a sudden I realized I thought, that I cannot read on your from way this Bible tomorrow in the morning, because this Bible you know, there, there's a verse in the, but there's a time coming for believers. So I'm going to read to you from my iPad because I've got it in English there, but but this is the one I this is my Bible I use all the time. This is uh, this. this that he and uh, he's going you know, I, I should study off these seeds. Uh, and this even when I'm when preparing in English, I'm still using my Spanish Bible. And so anyway, but, but before we read the Word, I've just got a question for you. Lord, how long um, will it be before you send anybody have 20 cents I can borrow? To, uh, 20 cents. Or, or a quarter, maybe better, or a quarter if you get in the book of Revelation. If not, you know, two dimes or four nickels. Give their lives. I know. I, for two I had to. I don't carry change. I had testimony. To, I had to go ask my wife. The main thing. And 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 the other one is okay. Twenty cents, perfect. The word of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, between her and I, we scrounged up. You, uh, you have to know and understand. Oh, the world. Consider this. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Not, not all the world. Okay. I, I'm, yeah, world. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean that they don't want to believe it or that they don't want to face it. I'm short of nickel. Or so I need twenty five cents. Believe I can't. This can't. Uh, is a dangerous trade yet. I'm gonna give you a nickel. And I'm gonna take a dime. All right. Remember that. I'll trade you back after service. I want to be sure to get your money back to you. So right now I've got in my hand fifty seven cents. People who believe it. Fifty-seven. But there is a day coming. Did I ask for fifty? You know, with a new world order that has been spoken against by President Biden. And why fifty-seven cents? They've been planning this for a long time. So good question. What can you do with fifty-seven cents? And uh, and this right here. <laughs> What's that? You already know in Canada. You, you, you can you know the premier there, the prime minister there. They've already but, passed but a law saying that the sexual the yeah, sexual you should buy a cup of coffee for sexuality and teachings in the Bible or nothing uh, but myth. I don't even think you, I don't even think the Don they've encoded this into anymore. And I was so looking forward to that. I'm not there yet. Almost especially a couple more years and I can get my senior copy from the Bible. But the prices have gone up, so the rest So fifty cents, fifty seven cents. What can you do with fifty seven cents? For what? And preaching. The dangerous anyway. Well Okay. I'm sitting here going, you're going to be arrested. He's already asking for money for being a Christian. If you have to be arrested because you believe, or maybe someday we have to give our lives. You can't even buy a newspaper. I don't think you ought to know why it's the word of God. Let me tell you something. Don't you think you ought to know the word of God? Don't you think you ought to small church that it ought to consume you? It ought to drive you. It ought to inspire you. The name of Jeannie Smith. Jean Smith was just a young girl, about seven years old. Let's rehearse these again. Oh, of course, and a lot of Sunday mornings she was standing outside. You know, I, I'm getting stuff from Dr. Owen Lutzer. I'm getting stuff from uh, Josh McDowell. There's other things and materials I'm getting stuff and from. And she was saying, because it's crowded, I can't go into You've church. got to have this. You've got to know it. Because there's no room. Okay. I can't go to Sunday school. Three, three simple points. And she stood oh, outside the front of the church, and she was and crying. And she had the compassion. Number one, how do you know that the Bible is reliable? And it is reliable. Number one, he says it was recorded. They say I can't go to church because there's not enough room. 
It was recorded. Now, Jeannie exactly. Smith come from the poor uh, neighborhood and just uh, down the, the street of We Lewis. know that the Bible was her written by 40 ragged and corners. And her face was dirty. Her hair was books. It was written over a And the pastor kind of suspected my, what might have happened. It was written in three different languages. He hadn't had a bath in a couple of days. But he grabs her hand, Greek. hand, and he says, "Come with me, honey." Not the Greek of today, what we call place Koine Greek or common Greek of that day. And he takes her into just Sunday school in Aramaic. And Jenny Smith, she was so excited when she went home that night. Chapters two through six. She crawled in her bed. She couldn't sleep. She was so excited about having these astounding books. You know what the Bible says about this? No, what Luke writes about this? Kids. It says, what did he say? Go to Sunday these school. Why can't more children go to just learn about Jesus? To us, these things, by those, well, Smith by those the ten that who from the beginning, Sunday, she would they were, to church, they were what? There. They but were suddenly two eyewitnesses and, and servants of the word. Okay, Her mother... We're not talking about church. people that, that always went to church. Stories were told, or and so she and contacts the pastor written and down says, four or five hundred years later. My little genius. We're back. talking about those who were eyewitnesses. Your church. Do you think eyewitnesses? Eyewitnesses works in a court of law, a legal. And while he's there at their house, the mother comes out and she hands him this little. This is the whole point. And these first. eyewitnesses just didn't Obviously, tell somebody else or just tell first. somebody else. They wrote it down. The that she had found okay? the and they tell their story. And she said, what this they experienced, what they saw, what they heard. These are not stories told loosely. So except these are not histories written hundreds of years and later. Home, and when he opened okay. his purse. I mean, they were written, written within their lifetime. Right? It was, notice, Recorded exactly, and on this note that was okay. written by Chini, led by the Holy Spirit. Said, it's not now much. I'm going to make a statement right here. You need to write down. But this okay. is to help all place. 27 little books of the New Testament. Jesus. There's 39 of the old, so that little kids will never be version. turned away. Okay. There's 39 of the well, old. The pastor was so moved. Hebrew Bible would have heart probably 22 books. He calls the deacon board together and says, hey, you get that later. i got to tell you what happened. 39 of the Old Testament and he's 27 of the New Testament. All, all 27 books of the note, New Testament, the little drum roll, are you ready? Were accepted by the church in the first century. You could save up. That, let that sink in. Oh. Because everybody well, thought, he oh, at the council of Nicaea, the deacons in 325 A.D., Constantine and these other people all came together, and they picked these Bibles, these books to go in. Let me repeat this. All 27 New Testament books were accepted by the church world before the end of the first century. And the reporter writes that story in the revolution. All the council of Nicaea did... 200 years later, a few days was later, the book called the church after had already destroyed. Hello. And, and he calls to the pastor and he says, you need to get this. Um, I'm a realtor right. and I have properties in several areas. Because because the you know, I've got a great property that would be big. Uh, fantastic right. for you all. Every young person in our church ought to be in here. And right. he says, no, he says, 
Pastor says, we need, you got to get the word out. Said, There's no way we're a small church. We can't because they, their minds are being assaulted with lies on every hand. No way in the world we could buy that. That property's worth. Point number one, thousands, hundreds of scriptures were recorded. The realtor says, no, no, no. I'll sell you the property for 50 cents. Number two, not only were they recorded exactly, they were relayed, relayed. Well, the story got traction and started being heard in different places. And checks started coming into the church. They were relayed. People from other states started sending money relayed. Well, transmitted, they were passed down from one And just in a matter of a short time, another, Jenny's offering of 57 accurately owned over $250,000. Like what? What do you mean? Can we trust it? At the time, it was a huge sum of money. Okay, you ready for this? In the nation of Israel, her unselfish love paid about massive dividends. They had what were known as scribes. If you ever get a chance to go to Philadelphia, Soparim. And there were, let's say, 500 B.C. to 300 B.C. And that puts it around the time of the captivity from Babylon, okay? And there were scribes recording the Word of God. They were writing it down. Where thousands of students go to study the Word of God every year. Ridiculously. It comes along, check out the good. you come to the time of Christ, and you come to the after the time of Christ, and you get to... And go get to what we call Talmudic scribes. T-A-L, where you use Talmudic, Talmudic, Talmudic. And that, 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 in other words, no scribes were writing down what the rabbis said about the Bible. Because of one child. So they would write down scriptures, and they would write these things down, they would write down what the rabbis said. Along came the Mishnah later on, with the commentaries about what the rabbis said. And these people were around between 100 and 500 A.D. And the gentleman or with her pastor seeking, if you're one of your... I, I still, I like A.D. So the question is, all right, what can I do? Now, what do I have After to them offer? came a group of guys along, and they were called the Masoretic Mark, chapter 6. Oh, okay. Masoretic. And we're going to go blaze apart here because there's so much to share real quick. All right. Oh, the Masoretic, verse 30. The Masoretic, where it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus, and they told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And then he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to to a deserted place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time. They had guidelines that they were very strict. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Right, if I'm not mistaken, they would go wash and bathe. Before they would um, come back and write and, the and the multitudes came to the, uh, the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from the cities, and they arrived before them and came together to him. Five hundred and nine hundred days. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved. They would take these. They would take this. And, and they would, um, because they were they like sheep not having a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said. This is every a deserted place, and already the and hour is late. And they would Sing count every line that they may go into the, uh, the, 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 village, the, uh, the surround, uh, surrounding country and villages and buy themselves and bread, for they had nothing to eat. It by hand. But he answered them and said to them, And you give them something they would to eat. Go back and count and it they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Do the lines match? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? 
All right. Go and see. And when and they found out, they said five out of two fish. If they misspelled the word. to make them all If they omitted the word. If they, you know, whatever. You know what they would do? And in fifties. They would what? And when he had taken the five loaves. And the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish, he divided among them, all so that they all ate and were filled by letter. Oh, and they were talking about the basket just a few minutes ago. Oh, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 uh, how many of you think with those kind of guidelines, children are going to have a trustworthy faith? Oh, Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you being able to share the word of God originally. It was recorded what exactly we have. Take it in your hands. Let's also apply it. Use it for your your kingdom. Accurately. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. today. May your word challenge us. And not only challenge us, but change us, transform us. And Lord, may we go out with a renewed vision and a renewed passion and a renewed sense of urgency for your kingdom's sake, for your glory, and for the lives, the eternity of the people around us. Down south Father, of Jericho. You ever heard of Jericho? Birthing us a passion for what Close moved by Jericho is the area of Qumran. In the name of Jesus. All these wadis, these deep valleys, and there's these caves up on the sides of these. And this now, is all this has been a difficult time. Day, Jesus, one day, a, a kid uh, who's a shepherd boy was going to rocks up in this synagogue. And he heard a sister Nazareth tried to stone him. And then after the more rocks the disciples return, Jesus clink, clink, finds clink. out that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been beheaded leaves his by a Herod. Whatever he's looking, and he climbs and, up and, into the cave. You know, the, the, the Herod, Herod Jesus, all they would call him a fox. And, 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 and Jesus knew all of that would and happen. That's why he knew that was going to happen. But as a man, he still grieved what for his friend, for his family member, for his forerunner. He and he and the disciples, now they're tired and hungry. And they're so down they don't even have time to eat. And, and so Jesus trying to get away. And so when they get in the boat, they start to sell north. And he tells the crowds on the shore. I don't know what these are. They're hidden away. And they're trolling. So they just keep following along on the banks. And so when they land on the northeastern shore, the people are already there. Thousands of people waiting for Jesus. But the authorities came. And they begin to investigate. Jesus could have gotten right back in the boat and, and they, they found these else. But he jars of clay and they pulled the scrolls out of them. And guess what? In these jars. And so in spite of our own every single out of his own, or portion of every weariness, he starts to teach them. Hello? But then in a little while, supper time arrives. And now they're faced with others. They're faced with the impossible task. How do you feed and be 5,000 men and their families? Guess what? They were written 2,000 years before. And they were preserved miraculously, remarkably. Someone ought to be shouting amen right here. How exciting this is. And guess what they found? As and they began to unscroll them and examine them, they found, like, of course, as we've spoken uh, before, they, they found the scroll of Isaiah. And they began to read it and began to look down at it, and it was exactly what was in Isaiah that's found in the Hebrew Bible today. Well, you have to organize. You 
seen Jesus as a great organizer. He tells them all to sit down. 0.5% varies. Because that was the only way they would be able to bury him. A variant in the church misspelled the word. It could be a word left out. Organized. A comma or some other mark or something. There's a variant. There's a parable in every miracle and there's a miracle in every percent. Jesus is trying it, to teach us a, a spiritual lesson in, in this miracle. And, it's, and, we, and as we discover, we find that there's a test. God is a preserving God. Disciples failed to Especially not his word. If you jump ahead, you'll see in, in verse 52, it, it says that Jesus silenced the, the back of the boat. He silences the storm, the waves. Um, and, and the disciples were amazed. So, uh, but it says they had not understood I, I got more. The meaning I, of the loaf and the fish. They, number one, it was test. recorded. Exactly. Uh, I've been guilty of that. Oh. Number two, it was relayed. There's a lesson here in the loaf and fishes that we're calling, we want to call them right. the muffins and the minnows. Look, there's no way in this study. Because the truth is, the picture, you know, it makes the bread look more or less, and it makes the fish look really big. And no, no, they were not. Uh, big. It was probably minimum. Remember, this is a small topic. This is an Israeli happy meal. God's getting us ready. Hello. This is a little boy's lunch. So he's got five little bre- little pieces of bread, and he probably got two little sardines, you know, that he can kind of smash up and smear on the bread to kind of give it a number three. It was reinforced. You know, it, it wasn't five loaves of Wonder Bread and two tilapias. Two tilapia, no. It just, okay. it was, it was a small amount. So, what can we learn from this story? Well, the first thing, first life lesson I wanted to be shared. Other number one, never measure a problem outside the life of your own resources. In other words, there's other historical. Never measure a problem according to your own resources. One of my favorite That's details about this story is the fact like that the, there's a little boy that we don't even know his name found all these who gets to enjoy lunch with Jesus. What a story he had to tell when he got home like, to tell his mom and dad. But the thing is, is when, we, when we face uh, our Ignatius, own problems, Polycarp, our Polycarp, immediate reaction is to reach into our pockets and begin to count our change. Most of the time, I don't have change. <laughs> Especially now, today, we do everything with a debit card and our, and our cell phone. But, you know, that's, the, the, that's the, the first thing we do. We react uh, to the problems or the circumstances around and, uh, us. Most of the time, uh, checking to see how much emotional or yeah. physical currency we have to meet this crisis. In all their writings, to... Um, there was one pastor who said, you know, there's three kinds of people in every church. Without There are feelers, there are figures, and they're faithers. I think he was from the South. That's how much they referenced them. I'm from Arkansas. We consider that reinforced externally by the writings of the Feelers. You know, the feelers, they go by what they feel. And the figures, like, uh, they're calculating. You know, here's the problem and here's the calculation. Or they're calculating the solution. But, but also, the, well, the good thing is that in every church, there's also faithers. They use his definition. And this is the group that trust in God. How is it reinforced? Oh, they so that's, we got to figure out, we got to determine where we're at in this. 
Let's look at the things that the Bible has historical merits. Now, some people say, I, you know, they they're, they're, they confront a problem, they're, they're faced with a situation, a difficulty, and they say, I feel I have no proof of this. That's how they respond. I feel it. And the truth of the matter is, I am a Peter. And they dig up a tablet. I watch the credits at the end of the and I start crying. More have been found since. In 1993, and guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm emotional. In Israel, the house of David. Sorry about that. Okay. I love this stuff. But, of course, I got books on it. I get magazines on it. So you know, Jesus turns to the disciple that got this prices now. They got over. I get all that. You know, let's just say 15,000 people. Um, conservative, you know. Guess what? man has a wife and they're both. Oh, for you, the Bible talks about, about the one of They didn't have one kid. They have half a dozen. But we're going to just be conservative. If there's 15,000 people there, all of a sudden, everybody's hungry. And Jesus says to the, to the disciples, uh, here's the problem. We have several thousand hungry people. So what are we going to do? He asked the disciples, what are we going to do? Now, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but this was part of the test. And some of the disciples, they felt like they had the answer. They said, Lord, it's late. And these people are hungry. We can't feed them. We feel that you should send them away to the neighboring towns to buy food. Now, what they really felt was panic. Just recently, they were scared. They prayed this hungry mob's going to turn on them, and so they want to send them away. They found this tablet, and it was called the cursed. The question tablet. is, do you let the do you let feelings be your guide? Well, why? Because there are, they are you found someone who goes by your it, gut and on the tablet were forty words. We say that a lot in the South. Okay. Two of them do you judge a solution on by the uh, of a situation by whether words. it feels right or not? They. Refer to events from Deuteronomy 27 and also from are the shallowest part of our soul. And, you know, in Deuteronomy 27, he says, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. Now, we have another group of people, and they say, I don't want to keep my word, keep my commandments. We can do this. Curse to see in the field, curse to see in the other. And it talks about, of all the disciples, I think the first tablet possibly was reference to Deuteronomy 27 and Joshua 20. Now, now, don't get me wrong, you know, that's I, not the significant I need part of what I want to talk to you about, about this tablet. I'm not really because there are skeptics and scholars out there that are telling people Moses didn't write the first five books of the Bible because the Hebrew alphabet wasn't even in existence. Jesus says, feed them. All of a sudden, Philip pulls out his eye abacus. And he starts calculating. Deuteronomy 27 and Joshua 8. He says, Lord, this tablet came from the church, church, even if we had 200 denarii, we could feed all of these people. That the Israel you know, he, 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 he starts calculating. Okay. Uh, um, Hello. <laughs> 5,000 men. Women and children, 15,000. Multiply that by $1.75. You know, the average cost of a meal by, in bulk. Uh, one denarius scholars, uh, amount of money Christian a man makes. Christian are saying this for one day is the greatest way. find. This is what okay, Lord. The numbers don't lie. It would take a man eight and months on a scale of one to ten of salary. They say this is a ten. That's what two hundred denarius is. That's two hundred days of labor. So you think about what you make in a month. Your monthly salary. Multiply that by eight. How? And that's what it would take to feed this crowd at the very minimum. How? Uh, he's 
says, Lord, we don't have anywhere near that amount. Exactly. But that's the approach that a lot of times we take. It was relayed face of crisis. Lord, what's this going to cost me? Accurately. How much is this going to cost? It was. And then we start asking and training that we realize we can reinforce meet the need. How? Oh, but thank God for this and other group. This very year. Oh, there's always somebody that says, and I keep forgetting to fast forward this thing, but there's somebody that says, I have faith that God can do the impossible. Woo! Now, that's not a typo. You're going, oh, wait a minute. That's not Faith is not a verb. Who says it's not a verb? And I know you don't think that's you. We're going to take poetic license and use it the way we want. I know. Hey, we're in the South. We can take some license with the English language. So, we're, you know, I faith that God wants to do the impossible. And I'm sitting here just so, so overjoyed this morning. We're singing, I think, every song you guys sang said something about impossible. It is reliable. Unstoppable, uncontainable. Oh, our impossible God. Oh. I'm not done with Does anybody here believe God can do the impossible? There's somebody that's with me this morning. Oh, they say, here's a great big challenge, and we don't have enough resources, but our God is bigger than any challenge. He's, you know, uh, this goes back a few days. Some of you guys remember this song. Uh, our God is bigger than any mountain that you can or cannot see. Did you recall the point at all? Did you try to go through your mind about what he said? Faith. Not what he said, but the man, what because God said through the man of God. The word says, our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, I was too caught up in my, you know, he owns the gold and the silvers and the life and phone and television. The truth is, we're entertainment, whatever else. And I believe this little boy was a faither. Oh. Now, I like Andrew. Because Andrew, he seems to be the disciple that's always introducing people to Jesus. I don't mean to be mean. He introduced Nathaniel to Jesus. Uh, was Nathaniel? I think it was Nathaniel. Or maybe it was Philip. But he introduces. But then in this story, if you go to John, in the hour the same story in John chapter 6, you know that? and we see Andrew is the one that people are perishing because they believe this is a bunch of bugs or just little boys. He's got five loaves and two fish. And so Andrew brings his little boy and he says, Here. And, 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 and when he introduced him, he says, Lord, now here's his lad, he has five loaves of two fish, and if he were to stop, he'd have been fine. But the Bible exclusive. What I do so many times, the Bible becomes exceptional. Because he keeps going, he says, But how far will that go among so many? You know, people among just all the books of the world. But then doubt has to become. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. That's finished. Tell the people to sit down in groups of fifties and hundreds. I can imagine Simon, the Peter, one, Andrew's brother, is probably standing there. Well, this talks about how to have a good life that deals with sin, the real problem. The question is, has a God that actually comes and gives his own life by faith for his people? There's this lady in a retirement center. The only one, the only religion that, in all the uh, world that says you've got to come by faith to Jesus Christ. This older, the only way, good-looking, this not by a gentleman, self-righteous, self-worth, try to reach God yourself method. And she walks into the cafeteria. She sees this. That means this book. sitting alone. 
is so exceptional. She comes up close and says, um, do you mind if I include specifically meat with you? It also means, lastly, second of all, so they're sitting here eating and eating. That the Bible becomes into a engaging conversation. You know what Jesus said? Jesus told them in John, John 12, Jesus said, you know, I don't come. I'm not going to judge you. Jesus said that. Jesus came into the world, John 3, not to condemn the Jews, but the world through him might be saved. And minutes, he looked at them, that. Jews and others, and said, I'm telling you, I'm not going to judge you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. But the next word he says, it's just that you remind me of my third heart. But the word. And he goes, oh, really, you? Well, how many times have you been married? She goes, only twice up now. Go back and read it. That's what I call a profession of faith. What are we confessing? I'm not saying go out and do this. It's exceptional. It's exclusive. And the number one bestseller in all the world. But this means this book is authoritative. Right there. <sighs> and we all know Hebrews. But God is saying, hey, can Hebrews we look beyond the The Word of God is living. It's powerful. Jesus is about to show them something. Piercing even and God's power is not soul limited to our resources. the joints. Hallelujah. And I'm down to the Listen, never... Uh, never measure your in circumstances in a lot of your resources. Second life lesson, very quickly, a little. Number two, uh, let me get this thing up here. I forget I'm supposed to be doing this. Number two, a little becomes a lot in the hands of Jesus. Amen. So here's this little fitting boy with no name. Well, having he has a name, we don't know it. Terrible. And he comes and he willingly gives Jesus his light out to you. In and it's a small order, quantity. In fact, in John, it says five loaves yes. and two little or two so small fishes. I mean, John emphasizes small to give us the idea that it really is just a little a little kid's lunch. So that. And, and so it's not this? something that's going to really fill so up that. a man. And, and so the, these are muffins made from barley. And like the brother from the south exactly. said, you barley call it bread. It's a coarse, it's a coarse flower. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy. So, may have not been the the greatest meal, but Jesus blesses it, and he begins to multiply it. Tell me when you're there. He takes this small amount. And begins to use that as the basis of a miracle. Let's just read one verse. Verse 15. Ready? And that wow. from childhood you have known. He gave it to Jesus. Writings, all and writings Jesus uses that. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. So he takes this little lesson, two steps of faith that I think we need to learn. Number one. The wisdom Transfer ownership of everything you have to Jesus. Faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, all these people had come to hear Jesus speak. And I hope, I'm, I'm going to be careful not to. That's it. it. Apparently, Jesus was a long-winded preacher. Does this book have any wisdom in it? 
Because he preached till supper time. Be able to lead you to salvation. And I know right now it's lunchtime. I know. I'm trying to get he's talking about here is that we am. We're waiting uh, yet. But I heard we had been on the ground. Oh, we're waiting. <laughs> all of this conversation. Hey, so, but these people didn't bring food. But this one little boy, this he brought, he was smart enough to bring his lunch. He came prepared. Our introduction to the Bible. He was the rightful owner of, these, the, of the fish and the loaves. He could have snuck off behind the rock and sat down and just ate his lunch by himself, enjoyed his food privately. Now, the text doesn't say if Jesus asked the boy for the food, if the boy volunteered his food. Uh, but I, I, I like to think the boy just offered it when he heard that, man, the people are looking around to see what they could find to eat. And, and, but what we do know is that this boy transferred ownership of his lunch to Jesus. And the truth is, what we have to remind ourselves is, God really is the owner of all the wealth in the universe. The truth is, you and I don't really own anything. He just allows us to manage it part of the time, for a short period of time. But God wants us to transfer ownership of all that we have back into His hands. Now, something my family's always done every time we've stepped into a new house, either to purchase it or rent it, we pray over that house. We bless it. We anoint it with oil. And we say, Lord, this is your house. This is your house. used for your glory. And it's not our house. It's your house. Every time we get a car, and we're praying for another one. But when we get a car, the first thing we do, we anoint it with oil. We pray over it and say, Lord, this is your car. And uh, right now, as you look at my house, it looks like I have a used car dealership. There's five of us, and everybody's got to have a car to drive. And right now, we've got one broken down. So we have six cars, and but they're all old. You know what? Um, God has provided. I can tell you. I mean, I, 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 we can't. We don't have time for it. But we, God has allowed us to give away cars, lots of cars. Because God keeps giving us cars, and we keep giving them away. And, and, and we just thank God for that. So we're just waiting for the next one. Okay, Lord, because the transmission in each car is going out, we say, Lord, you know it. All right, you're going to provide. We're excited. We're waiting to see what we're going to get. And uh, no, it doesn't always work that way. But the thing is, you give it to God. Just give it to God. It's His. Consider all your assets, your abilities. Have you come to the place where you say, God, this all belongs to you. I transfer ownership of my treasure, of my time, and my talents. It's almost kind of like declaring a, a spiritual kind of bankruptcy. When the devil comes and says, I'm going to take away everything you have. You know what? You can just smile at the devil and say, go ahead. I don't own anything. It all belongs to God. says, follow me, and I'll give you everything you want. You can look at the devil and smile and say, I don't need anything. I have all I need because God supplies all I need. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Bless my brothers and sisters. Those present and those not here. Those listening. The little boy didn't say, Jesus, you know what? I'll give you two muffins and one fish. And I'll keep the rest for me. Thank you. No, 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 no. 
He gave it all. All to Jesus I surrender. The other thing is, number six o'clock tonight, if at all possible, when you give it all, children, if you need to, Jesus transforms what you give him, and he gives back more. Oh, Jesus took the meals and the muffins, and he turns it into an all-you-can-eat buffet. I mean, it fed five thousand men. I know how men in the south eat. And families. And it says they were filled. They ate till they were filled. I have watched a lot of Christians at the buffet go to Golden Corral on Sunday. It's impressive how much a Christian can put away. It says they ate till they were full. The meal, the, the, the lunch might not have been enough even to fill a small boy. But because he gave it to Jesus, he got to eat all he wanted. He didn't have to stop at five loaves and two fish. If he wanted four fish, he could have it. Why? Because he gave it to Jesus. So here's what Jesus does when you surrender everything you have to him. And you surrender all that you are to Him. He takes what you give Him, and He blesses what you give Him, and then He multiplies what you give Him, and then He gives it back to you. But now it is filled with power from on high. The power of the Holy Ghost. Oh. There's a principle in the Bible that what you give to God, He gives back with blessing. There's a beautiful story in John 12 about Mary, Lazarus, Martha, you know, Jesus is eating there at Lazarus' house. Martha is serving, and it says, Mary, she takes the spikenard, the ointment, six days before Jesus' crucifixion. And she begins to anoint Jesus with this, this perfume, expensive perfume. She begins to pour it over his feet and then wipe his feet with her hair. And, of course, you know, a couple of disciples are complaining, saying, man, she could have sold that for $300. That's almost a year's wage. A year's wage. Can you imagine what you make in a year? That's what that perfume cost. And, and, but they hadn't understood. Jesus said that Mary understood what nobody else had understood. She was anointing his body for burial. And she knew, she really didn't know, but she could perceive something was happening. Something was changing. And something moves her to give extravagantly to the Master. And when she gave it all to Jesus, what do you think Mary carried with her for the next week and a half? Everywhere that Mary went, everybody smelled Jesus. She smelled just like Jesus. Because you don't lavish worship on Him without some of it splashing back on you. It's time that we begin to smell like Jesus. Oh, she gave it all and received a blessing in return. Have we followed the example of this little boy? Have we transferred ownership of everything? All that we have, all that we are to Jesus. You might say, well, I don't have a lot to give. 
where he can take minnows and muffins and feed a multitude. Little becomes a lot when it's in the hands of Jesus. 57 cents when you go to a church, an education wing, a university, and a hospital for the glory of God. If somebody's willing to believe. Number three, life lesson. Oh. God will create a need in your life just to demonstrate that He can meet it. I used to have a professor in, or a teacher in high school. I mean, he'd just walk into class, you know, you just never knew. He'd just walk into class, and all of a sudden he said, all right, put your books away, pull out a fresh sheet of paper. We all cringed when he did that. We knew what was happening. Pop quiz. And he never, he never clued us in. Hey, tomorrow we're having a pop quiz. Well, it wouldn't be a pop quiz or a surprise quiz. It wouldn't be a surprise. He did that to keep you on your toes, and you had to keep studying. You had to keep, every day you had to go back and at least review a little about what he taught that day because the next day he might just throw a quiz in on you. Well, Jesus kind of did the same thing. You know, if I, had, if I was keeping up with the teacher and kind of following along, I didn't have a whole lot to worry about. But if I wasn't paying attention, man, I was in trouble. Well, there's times when Jesus will test your faith. And that's what he's doing here. And so he creates a situation that's humanly impossible to solve. The feeding of 5,000 was the lesson, but the up-and-coming test was the storm later on when they're back on the boat. And unfortunately, the disciples failed the test. The next crisis arose, and what did they do? They began to panic. Fear overwhelms them. And they begin to, Lord, Lord, aren't you worried that we're going to die? They just watch him multiply minnows and muffins to feed 5,000. And the next storm comes along, and they forget it all. So when it comes to impossible situations and challenges, I want you to, I want to ask you or invite you to look three directions with me. Number one, hindsight. Hindsight. You know, we, we say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Uh, but I want you just to think back for a moment to a time when you were going through a terrible crisis or a difficult challenge in your life or your family. And while you're in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of this storm, you're wondering if you're going to survive. But here you are today. God sustained you. God was faithful. He brought you through. There's an Old Testament uh, parable that, or a riddle about problems that, that, that applies right here. Judges 14.14, 14, 14, Samson says these words. He said, out of the ear came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Samson, the original Superman, you know, Hercules, the Incredible Hulk, he was a strong dude and a vicious lion, and it's attacking him, and so he tears the lion apart with his bare hands. But later, after the birds and the animals have picked the carcass clean, then some bees come in and they build a hive in, in, in the, the skeleton of this lion. And so when later Samson comes up on this lion and he's killed months before, he's able to reach into the skeleton and he eats out of the honey something sweet. The lion that had threatened 
to eat Samson actually ended up being a source of food for him. The strong lion gave him something sweet. That's a parable about problems. So as you pass through life, you'll be able to look back on the skeletons of your past problems. And when you see those skeletal memories of your past, you're reminded that God kept you in that storm. God brought you through. God provided. God did the miracle. God met the need. God gave you the victory. God is still on the throne. He's still doing miracles today. Remember the promises of God. Remember the power of God. That's hindsight. Then we look at foresight. Foresight, looking forward to the perfection of heaven. And it may be difficult for us to know what's going to happen from day to day, tomorrow, next month, next year. But for a child of God, we know one thing for certain. Our destination is secure. One day, we're going to be with Jesus for all eternity. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know about you, but when I think about eternity, it brings a smile to my face. puts a song in my heart. And Paul writes these words. Even during tough times, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What's happening today is not the end of the story. Hallelujah. The final chapter has not been written. And one thing I know, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And my God says, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James Black in the hymn, 1893, on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. Oh, and the glory of His resurrection share. When His chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Hallelujah. So when we're facing difficulties and challenges today, remember there is an eternal home that's awaiting us. Jesus has prepared a place for us. And just as He says in John 14, if He prepares a place for us, He will come back and receive us unto Himself so that where He is, we will be also. Foresight. And then lastly, insight. Insight. Looking through your current crisis. Oh, to see Romans 8.28. It's when we're in the middle of the problem or the crisis that we need God's insight. His revelation. You need it now. Oh, when you're up to your neck in alligators, that's not the time to convene a symposium on how to drain the swamp. No, 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 no. We've got to know who our source is and look up to Jesus. God has given us help and hope in the midst of our challenges. He wants us to walk by faith and to believe that He's going to bring us through this crisis, through this situation, and we will get to the other side victorious, and we will claim the truth of Romans 8.28. 
like those other problems in the past. This is one of the most powerful promises I know. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Anybody here love God this morning? Then this promise is for you. Oh, God's not working on some things. He's working on all things. He says all things work together for good. The good, the bad, the ugly, the end result is God's glory. If I gave you a cup of flour and asked you to eat it, you would look at me like I was nuts. If I cracked a couple of eggs, in, raw eggs in a bowl and said, swallow these eggs, drink these eggs, you would say, are you off your rocker? And then I handed you a cup of sugar and said, now, now wash it all down with this sugar. You're going, get out of here. But you take the sugar, which is sweet, you take the raw eggs that's kind of disgusting, and the flour that really has no flavor at all, that's just going to choke you up until you suffocate and probably die, but you mix those ingredients together, all of a sudden, you start making something. you got the good, you got the bad, you got the ugly, but then when you put it in the fire, out comes a cake, hallelujah. We get dessert. So God changes those, those, uh, those, those ingredients of life, those challenges, those problems, those situations, those difficulties, and He begins to mix it with His glory, with His power, and He sticks us in a fiery furnace sometimes. Oh, but when God gets finished, there is something to shout about, and we have something to sing about, hallelujah. Oh, because God knows how to take the bad and make something good out of it for His glory. Hallelujah. 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 i got to finish here. The truth is, God is the chief baker. He can take all of the bad, ugly, distasteful experiences of life and mix in some of His holy ingredients. And when He pops it out of the oven of His omnipotence, wow, we get something incredibly sweet. Years ago, there was a violinist, a famous violinist that was scheduled to perform a concert using a priceless Stradivarius violin. The violinist walks out on the stage. He carefully opens the case and very carefully removes the violin. And there he begins to play on this beautiful violin, like our brother this morning, Brother Pete. He's playing on this violin, and the sounds that he made was like a mother singing lullabies to her child. He could make that violin sing. He could make it laugh like a child. Every person in the building is weeping, not a dry eye. The people sit on the edge of their seats. They're drinking in every heavenly note. And as he finishes the first section of his concert, the audience jumps to their feet. They begin to applaud. And to their surprise and horror, the violinist takes the violin and begins to smash it on the floor. Smashes it into a million pieces. And then he walks off stage. The, the audience is horrified. 
They're stunned. They just sit down in silence. And a few minutes later, the violinist returns to the stage carrying another case. He opens it up and pulls out another violin and says, this one is the real Stradivarius. What I was playing before was only a $50 violin that I bought at the pawn shop. I just wanted you to know that it's not the instrument. It is the artist who draws the bow across the strings that makes the music. He resumes his concert, but this time the audience ignored the instrument and focused on the ability of the musician. That's just like us. The truth is, we are all like cheap fiddles. We think we're just an an insignificant meal of minnows and muffins. But in the hands of the Master, our lives become something beautiful, powerful, anointed, precious for the glory of God. So I ask you again, what can you do with 57 cents? Some of you are facing challenges today, and you've been asking yourself, how am I going to make it? And God's just saying, trust me. Stop trying to feel it out. Stop trying to figure it out. Just trust me. I've got it under control. I have exactly what you need. And the miracle is already in the works. The answer is already on its way. Can we stand up, please? Father, I thank you this this afternoon for your word. I thank you for the privilege of of being with family this morning. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Tim and Pastor Rhoda. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. The best days of Cornerstone are not in the past. They're still coming. The best is yet to come. God, you're working. You're working behind the scenes. Lord, you're bringing strategic people into their lives. Lord, because you're raising up this congregation to be light, to be salt in this community and beyond, even into the nations. 
I pray that you would strengthen the hands, Lord, of your servants this morning. Lord, a fresh touch, fresh anointing. And Lord, revelation. I believe the Lord is opening doors because God has placed in you wisdom and discernment and insight that others need to glean from. And God is going to open doors of opportunities for you to begin to to share, to pour out the wisdom that God has poured into you, to pour into the lives of these younger ministers. Be ready to pack that suitcase. Because I believe God is making you a mentor to other ministers for His glory, for His kingdom. Father, You are our joy. You are our peace. Lord, I believe You're filling Your servants with a new song. Lord, a song of praise, a song, Lord, that cannot be contained, of sweetness and joy, of laughter. Oh, a joy, a song of laughter. Oh, God, as You just feel their spirit overflowing, and Lord, as You begin to just use this congregation, Lord, to continue to reach out to this community, but beyond. Oh, Lord, as you begin to raise up new leaders. Lord, people that will be sent out and sent forth. Lord, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost on their lives from this place, because they've been challenged in the Word, and they've accepted the call. They've taken hold of the call and the cause of Christ. So, Lord, we pray your continued blessings upon this congregation. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for favor. We thank you for provision. We thank you for victory in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus.